Turn your great idea into a great success with the Small Business Resolutions Bundle. Just $5 will get you your own domain name, a powerful website builder, professional email, and search engine optimization to get your top listings on Google. Get started today at www.smallbusinessresolutions.ca. Hurry, this offer ends April 1st. Welcome to Startup Weekly, your source for news affecting entrepreneurs in Canada. My name is Matt Allen, and today is March 1st, 2016. In the news this week, Communitech opens offices in New York and San Francisco to accelerate access to the U.S. market. Startups reached record numbers in 2015. Stats Canada reports more than 651,000 Canadians incorporated businesses last year, a 4.8% increase from the previous year. The Canadian Venture Capital Association reported last week that Canadian venture capital investing hit a 10-year high in 2015. It was driven by a boom tech scene. And the man behind Israel's startup ecosystem, Chief Scientist Avi Hassan visited the capital this week to meet with startup founders and government leaders at the Startup Canada headquarters. I think when when trying to understand what governments should do to make their environment more entrepreneurial, we first have to understand that you cannot copy and paste. The size of the country matters, the structure, its culture, and therefore things that worked uh, nicely in one country might not be well adapted to the other. Having said that, there are some uh, best practices which I think should be at least looked at. One is a very effective public-private partnership. Even though it's government trying to promote this, uh, the understanding that through the partnership with the private sector, by understanding the respective roles, that's where success uh, will come. The other notion is the understanding that government, and this is a little bit counterintuitive, should take more risk than the private sector in promoting this. And of course, creating uh, an infrastructure or an arena that enables every innovator, every entrepreneur to fulfill uh, his or her potential. Startup Weekly is brought to you by Great Work, helping founders and business owners make more effective decisions. Check out greatwork.io for better decisions. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Disruption, investment, work-life balance. Delving deep on the topics that matter most for entrepreneurs. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Season 2 of the Startup Canada Podcast Show. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett. The Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. Here on the show is where we fill you in on trends and opportunities and possibilities for your next step as an entrepreneur and where we have conversations about advancing entrepreneurial growth and success in Canada. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks, your partner in building a financially fit and fundable business. Get 50% off. That's right. 50% off QuickBooks online today by visiting intuit.com quickbooks.ca forward slash start right. Do any of our new listeners remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast in the iTunes store, then visit startupcan.ca to join the network to connect to support mentors, training, funding, space, and to your local startup community. Wow. We are just incredibly lucky to have on our show today, Andy Noman, the notable co-founder of Just for Laughs and the current CEO of Play the Future. What a treat this is going to be today. And our discussion is going to dive into all aspects of entrepreneurship, building brands, global marketing, starting up in Quebec and Canada, and you got it, everything in between. And he's responsible for turning a two-day Just for Laughs international comedy festival into the event it is today, which is a month-long cultural event that attracts over 2 million visitors to Canada every year. A successful entrepreneur, Andy is also the co-founder for Play the Future, which is a forward-thinking digital platform and brand engagement tool. And to top off his incredible success story, Andy is now a professor of McGill University Revolutionary Course Marketing and Society, which I'm sure he adds a little bit different flair to it than that title, uh, given his creative talent. And here we go, the author of three hilarious books, including I Almost Killed George Burns. I think that's a better uh, a better title for the, for the course than Marketing and Society. But uh, even with all his success, Andy continues to be a leading light in Montreal's startup scene as the chair of the International Startup Festival and has a close relationship with the Quebec entrepreneurship community in Canada, for that matter, as a national adjudicator for the Startup Canada Awards. Andy, wow, thank you so much, sir, for taking time today of your busy schedule to hang out. Well, what an intro. I think that uh, after that, <laughs> there's not much more to be said. So it's no, been a pleasure. It really and, has. Uh, have a great day. Good night. No, wow. no, that was, no, it's actually good afternoon here still. Yes, <laughs> I got I to pick, pick up some of the things that you said, okay, if, if you don't mind. We, go we for get, it. On, on, on some of them. I knew okay. this wasn't going to be going to be an average interview. You go for it, Rivers. Here we go. You're you're so right. First of all, about um, marketing and society, because when I went to McGill, um, <laughs> you know, to teach this, I, a, fr- yeah. a friend of mine, a guy I graduated with, a guy named Peter Todd, and another guy who's named Morty Yalovsky, who was one of my professors at school. It's funny because Morty taught both Peter and I. Peter became the dean of management, and he said, "Would you teach this class?" Yeah. And uh, I, I said, "They showed me the the, the syllabus." And I said, "Guys, you got to be kidding!" And they showed me the textbook. <laughs> and I said, "Come on, this is the most boring thing in the world." Yeah. Uh, I said, "I'll teach it, but only if you use." give me carte blanche to do what I want with it. And uh, to their credit, I got to give them a lot of credit. They said, yes, except that given that it's a curriculum course in the days hotel faculty of management, I had to keep the name. So yeah, basically what it is, it's uh, like the the typical wolf in sheep's clothing. The class actually is about how to integrate YouTube as a marketing tool. So what I teach, in fact, I just came from there right now today. I'm speaking to you. I'm just coming from the class and what we teach the, the, the students is how to integrate how to use YouTube. So what they're learning right now is how to communicate in a visual fashion and how to use that for business. So it's not making comedy videos or doing things that are silly or pranks or whatever. Not that there's anything wrong with that. What they're learning is how to use video as a marketing tool. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm dumbfounded 
by <laughs> the fact you can't say that as the title because the curriculum would not allow that. That's so well, wild. Uh, it's part and parcel of academia. Yeah, that's of course. fine. Yeah. Um, but, but what's really cool about the class, I have to say, is that um, I have people coming in. I have students in my class who are not even registered, and they just come to class to learn. And I tell them, and, and they're they're involved in the groups. And I said, but listen, you can't bail. You can't say just because I'm not getting marked on this that I'm going to leave. You, you, if you're going to come here, you're going to make a commitment. So I've that. I've had the class. I had. I was flown out to Los Angeles to speak to some people at uh, YouTube's head office about this, about how we're integrating. YouTube into an educational um, uh, and, you know, format. So it's uh, really been a, a great ride. It's in its third year. Yeah. But one of the things I realize now is that uh, things happen so fast. Three years ago, when I started teaching this class, people had no, really no idea. But now, uh, given the the propensity of, of, and, of smartphones and how, how intelligent they, they've become, uh, people know how to frame a shot, know how to take a shot, know how to take a selfie. Know. So right now, the class they can almost teach me more than I'm teaching them mm, that's brilliant man I've I had some time uh, in my past to teach a, a marketing communications course and I absolutely loved it because we brought in at that time of day you know the outside world into these teachings and that's what you're doing so uh, yeah I'm sure you've seen growth in that class Oh God, growth in terms of uh, uh, both <laughs> amount of people taking it, and yes, in terms of you know, knowledge of the students uh, coming into it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, you've had a pretty colorful life uh, from journalism to comedy to tech to being a professor, academia. Uh, you know, I hate this question when somebody asks me this question, but that doesn't mean I don't want to ask well, you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's been the best part of the journey? Oh, still to come. I, I wish that, uh, you know, one of the things that happens is um, I, I like to change things up a lot. And once I do, I find that the past, it's almost it never happened. So like now when I go to the Just for Laughs offices, I really feel like an outsider. And I walk into my old office and I said, was I ever here? What, do, you know, what, did this ever really happen? And same thing when I look at my old clippings when I was a journalist, um, uh, I was a newspaper reporter and I have tons of clippings and memorabilia. And I said, who was this person? Um, and same thing with Airborne. When I, I find some old Airborne, uh, some of our old reports and things that we were talking about and and it's as if somebody else did it. As there was a line in the play um, Nine, in the musical Nine, uh, when the, uh, the Guido Contini's wife was talking about him, and she said, long ago, someone else ago. And, um, and that's really the way I, f I feel about it. It, it. All these things were done by somebody else, not me. So when you ask what's the best part of the journey, it's always the, the, the next step, the things that are coming up, which is why I'm involved in a startup right now, because you know, what's around the corner is so much more interesting than uh, what I already saw and already did. Yeah, wow. Eyes wide open, right? Very cool. Very cool. Well, look, uh, uh, humor is obviously uh, pretty important to you and your journey, and uh, and you've been known to have said it's as important as water or oxygen is for human survival. And why do you say that? That's an inner. I've never heard somebody say that. It makes sense coming from you, but why, why do you feel that it's a necessity like water or oxygen? Because humor... What it does, it disarms, it educates, it enlightens. When, when handled properly, when handled improperly, it's you know it could be um, you know something that incendiary. It could be uh, also um, insulting, and it could also mm. be boring. The worst of all, but great humor really does 
educate. It uh, allows people to see things uh, a different way. And there's no better way to diffuse a tough solution than to laugh at it or, or to laugh at something within it and break the tension and then pick things up and start all over again. And uh, I've used this many a time, many times very inappropriately at times that, uh, you know, you're walking along that fine edge of, wow, this is either going to work amazingly or blow up in your face. It's like nitroglycerin. A little bit of it gets the heart started again a little too much and you blow up the apartment building. So that's the way why I love humor and why I think it's so important important, um, you know, and it's not frivolous. That's the thing that dri- drives mm-hmm. me crazy. And, you know, frankly, you, you know, I got to say that uh, working on a, on a day-to-day basis kind of deadens you to it. It's it sort of, um, you, you, you forget what's funny because you understand the process uh, of making it. It's like, you know, hot dogs. Knowing how they make hot dogs sort of takes away the enjoyment of eating them. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with humor. You Knowing how, you know, you, I can telegraph a joke from miles away, but, you know, uh, fortunately, most people can't and that's the the beauty of it. So, um, you know, I kinda, I'm kind of bored with comedy, you know, as, as it stands right now just because I've been there, done that, but I can't be bored with the way you know, humor works in you know the workplace, in the family setting, in a social setting. Uh, it, it's magic when it's when it's done right. That's very interesting. One of the, my businesses, I uh, I co-founded a gourmet burger restaurant chain six years ago. Uh, we've got a operations on both coasts right now. And when you talk about the hot dog, I remember how my, my, uh, my intimacy and my passion was about the gourmet burger and, uh, what it all entailed and the people connecting with it and so on. And, and as you say, now I can, I can see it coming from a mile away. I know about the taste and of it, all that kind of stuff. And you do, you kind of get bored of the story. And what's brilliant of what you said is, you know, when to move on from it because your passion isn't at the same level that it should be in order to keep that vision, uh, alive. So, uh, I just quit a job, which was a really high-paying consultancy with the city of Montreal for its 375th anniversary. But uh, I knew that basically it got to a point where um, what I could do was done. If I was going to continue at it, I was just doing it for the money. And I got to tell you... um, the, the biggest mistakes, the only real mistakes I've made in my life are when I did something, uh, was when I did something specifically for the money. Because it always came to bite me on the ass and it always came to blow up in my face and it always came to say, you know, oh, why did I do that? I, I should have been smarter. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's a great lesson. So if the passion's not there, don't do it for the money because it will blow up. Yeah, and people see through that, absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us about yourself. I'm going to, I got a question about your, uh, about your boys here as we go further down the interview, but tell us about yourself, you know, your entrepreneurial beginnings. You were a journalist. Uh, uh, that typically is not a, well, not, not then, uh, an entrepreneurial type of education nor, uh, more profession. So where did the entrepreneur stuff all kind of come into your life? Well, Rivers, it is entrepreneurial when you're 16. Ah, uh, okay. I have to tell you, it's pretty entrepreneurial because, uh, and again, not to, to uh, you know pat myself on the back or you know wrap myself in garlands of flowers, but um, really, you know, I, I still remember my first real <laughs> entrepreneurial venture was um, I was I, I lived on this little street in you know this this area of Montreal called uh, Snowden, and um, I came up with this idea for it was almost like a pinball machine, but it was a sh- the, the bottom of a shoe 
shoebox turned upside down and you would drop the marble in on top. I put a pencil in the side and a bunch of holes. And if you flip the pencil and you hit the marble, it went into a hole and, um, you know, it paid out what it paid out. So I said, if you pay, you know, 10 cents to play and only one of the things was a 10 cent hole, you'd say, well, you know, you can, the worst you can do is break even. So, um, and I remember doing that and uh, trying to advertise that to people walking by my house. So I wasn't a lemonade stand guy. I was like a pay pinball machine guy yeah. and uh didn't work very well but i thought it was kind of cool how um, much money did you make about 12 cents it really you made was, money awesome but but i do remember that and i said that, that that really goes back but when i was a kid i was you know i was 16 years old and i answered an ad for the, a newspaper called the sunday express i was working in a factory at the time but i really wanted to write uh, i loved writing and i wanted to write about rock and roll and they had an opening in the sports department i loved sports but i love rock and roll more but i realized i'm one step closer to writing about rock and roll if i'm inside the newspaper versus if i'm outside the newspaper right. so anything to get in got in uh, um, wrote a my first article at the age of 16 was about Peter Frampton, who was massive in 76, yeah. um, with Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah, he's uh, now, he's now, he no longer has the hair now, though. No, but still talented. I saw him yeah. a couple of years ago. Yeah. He's still insanely talented. Played yep. with Ringo. Yeah. Uh, he was actually with Ringo. And Ringo's, um, it was a big uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame bash, and he played in Ringo's band. Oh, cool. Uh, but and, and what happened was, you know, right, being in the right place at the right time, the entertainment editor at the newspaper got fired um, just a few months after I started. And I started in July. I turned 17 in September. And by November, she was gone. And I was the entertainment editor at the age of 17. So that got me through school. And uh, it would have kept me going because that's all I wanted to do in life. I was a very happy man until I got into a, a fight with uh, a man who was going to become my boss. I didn't know that. Uh, uh, he cut my tie at a, a function that I had put together as promotion manager of the newspaper because I was the only guy going to university. So they gave me all the business stuff. So they said, why don't you become promotion manager too? I did. I put on an event. He got drunk. He thought it would be fun cutting my tie. He yeah. did. Yeah. And I said on the jocularity scale, very fast thinking, I said on the scale of jocularity, what equals a cut tie? I said, well, a glass of red wine on a white Lacoste sweater to me is about <laughs> an equal... <laughs> Counterpoint. Yeah, actually, so I, I think did. it's better, actually. <laughs> yeah, so I did that. Yeah. And two weeks later, he became my boss and fired me. Nice. So that's when I learned how to become an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you know, I'd probably maybe still be in that job. Did you ever, uh, when you started just for laughs um, and and built the, uh, the the cultural phenom that you have, did you ever pass this picture around to all the attending people who say, if this guy tries to get in, don't let him in? Uh, <laughs> you know, I owe it, you know, for, for about a year, I hated him. But um, I, I got to give him, I even say, should I say his name? His name is Michael Lawton. I don't care. It's fine. Cause I, I owe him my life because if he hadn't done that, uh, who knows where I would be right now. I got a Carl Dexter in my life that did the same thing. An asshole, real jerk. And I, I can kiss him every time uh, that I potentially could see him for where yeah, I am right now. So there. Absolutely. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's real funny. funny. Yeah, it, yeah it, 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 it literally is. And um, it would be more funny if he if he actually actually came to me one day looking for some work. I think I'd really enjoy that one. <laughs> Look, I am, you know what? I'm not very revengeful. Live and no, let that's live. That's fun, though. That's fun. Yeah, it's, Oh, you're here to apply for me. Yeah. And that, that, they go through the process. Anyway, look, uh, your newest book, 
pow, right between the eyes again. Marketing. I can't believe you're teaching a course by the name of that. That just blows me. Marketing and Society by Andy Nolman. <laughs> it just doesn't go right. Not with your personality. Your newest book, right? Pow, Between the Eyes, talks about the element of surprise. Uh, can you talk about why this topic is so meaningful to comedy? But I think there's got to be, you know, aspects that to transcend to, to business in general. Well, it is a marketing book, actually. I mean, this this was a, a wonderful story. And in fact, I, it, I just looked back over some of my journals over the years and, and uh, was reading what I was writing to myself when I got this book deal. Um, I got this book deal in April of, uh, I think it was 2000, because it's, it's a while ago, right. about four or five years ago. It was, it, was, it was in April, and I had to deliver the book in uh, July. I had three months to deliver this book while I was doing Just for Last, while I was doing everything else. Um, and I loved it. I mean, the process was I worked at least seven hours a day on weekends. I worked nights, and I, you know, I, knew, how many, I knew I had to deliver 75,000 words. Um, uh, so I broke that down into certain writing sessions, how many thousands I had to do per writing session. It was great. It was, the whole process was really one of the most fun periods in my life. But um, the book was about how powerful surprise is in a marketing context. I learned that through humor. I learned the very, very basics of humor because the basics of a joke is the the the, the, the um, setup leads you down a path. You think you're going in direction X, but really the punchline takes you in direction Y. And that element of surprise is what makes humor humor. Mm. But the same thing in business because in a, in a world of sameness and the world of of standard and boredom, if you go ahead and shock people and say, well, I wasn't expecting that, that's what works. So mm. if you look at every great ad, if you look at you know, great ad campaigns, great products, uh, you know, when you look at the first iPhone, it was you know, a surprise based on what people were expecting from a phone. It was completely different. So that really is what the book is all about. It's re really about standing out. It's about doing things differently, but it's not, it's about really not being afraid to take uh, the risk. And the problem with surprise always is that when people do it right, and then they end, it ends up working, what they say right after that is, oh, let's do it again. Let's do the exact same thing. Yeah. And they say, no, 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 people are expecting that. It's like relighting yeah. a firecracker. It's not going to explode again. Do you understand? Yeah. And, I, and I learned that from being a magician as a kid. You know, the first thing you would do, and that, that's a, a, and another premise that, that worked out, uh, you know, worked its way into the book, is when you fool someone with a magic trick, particularly kids, this first thing they will say is, once you do it to them, they say, how did you do that? Or more, or more likely, they're going to say, "Do it again, okay. do it again." Yeah. And, and what you don't want to do, no, it's enough. You were fooled once. Enjoy it. But yeah. if you do it again, you know what to look for. Yeah. You, you know what the ending is. Yeah. So that's when things get revealed, and that's yeah. what happens. But over and over again, you know, marketers, you know, tend to be, um, you know, conservative. As, as crazy as they are, they're conservative. And then what happens is, oh, well, this worked before. Let's do it again. And of course it doesn't work. And people say, why didn't it work again? It worked so well the first time. Well, that's why it didn't work again. Really because the word again is the word that, um, uh, that matters. How does somebody find this book if they want to buy it? <laughs> it's on Amazon or I have about 75 copies in my locker downstairs. Nice. Nice. So uh, if you're in Montreal, uh, Andy's going to stay a little later after today's show and uh, he'll be down 75 of them. 
Yeah, I, you know, Andy Cernovitz was a very well-known writer. He wrote the book called, um, uh, oh God, uh, Word of Mouth Marketing. He told me, I still remember this, he goes, um, go buy as many copies as you can on Amazon. You get like this insane discount and put them away because one day you're going to need them and they're going to be out of print and um, you won't know what to do. And uh, to get him. So that was a very, very smart move. Yeah. A buddy of mine taught taught me from the very beginning. They said, save all your business cards from the businesses that you've been connected with to go back on those journeys. Uh, So same, same set of models. Congratulations on the, uh, on the book. And then of course you've done other books. I I really actually, I'm going to, I'm going to get the one. uh, I almost killed George Burns. I can't wait. That's a lot of fun. That book. That's that's a really good one. So look, you're, you're a high flying guy. Uh, And uh, this is the first time we've had a chance to to chat and I'm really enjoying this conversation but what what keeps you grounded because that's part of the journey of entrepreneurship is that ground 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 you it's okay to have a strong ego but not a bad ego so what what keeps you grounded the reality of life because uh, you realize in the end that it, it's all it's all bullshit that, that that what i mean by that is you know what you think is a sure thing can be eliminated in one minute by um the competition uh health matters um an act of war i mean i, I say this because i've lived through all of them mm. um you know i i, I still remember i was in uh, san diego uh the, the day you know nine of nine eleven, and right. i was there for a business conference and and then, whoa, that sort of took the wind out of the sails of the conference, you know, to say the least. So you realize that uh, if, if you think, you know, it's, it's one of those great quotes, uh, you know, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. So I think that is the, the, the <laughs> best way. Or, or if you want to make Rivers laugh, tell him the quote. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, it, it, I think that's what, what keeps you grounded is because you think you are in control and yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you are not. What you are doing is just, you know, the, reacting to what goes on. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and you, even again, even if you think you're in control of your business and you're in control of your investors, you know, there's somebody there, and they're not doing this maliciously. Uh, there's somebody there who may hold the secret to your death, uh, yeah. in meaning that a, competi- a competitor is going to release something that puts, renders your product or service or company obsolete. And they're not doing this to kill you. They're not doing this because they hate you. They just came up with an idea that is better than yours or that is the next stage. So, you know, you, you, re- you realize that and you realize how good you 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 have it so just you know do the best you can while you can and, and understand that you know so you know as, as hard as you work as much as you do so much so much so little of this has anything to do with you and so much of it has to do with your place in the overall scheme of things have you always felt that way has it been since uh, the age of 16 when you started your career that you've known that or has this been that learned uh, learned lesson I learned that pretty quick. I learned that basically as, um, uh, you know, when I got uh, my tie cut and uh, you thought you were, I thought I'd get away with anything. I thought that, uh, look, I was responding to, to an act of violence, one may say, but you you just thought that, uh, that you, you were in control, but you're not. And, you know, it's like Dylan once saying, you got to serve somebody, you know, no matter Mm. who it is, I don't know anybody who doesn't have, um, somebody that they have to answer to. Mm. And, and, uh, if you think that you have to answer to nobody, you know, then more power to you. But I got to tell you, I think that uh, no matter what you got to answer to someone. So, Very cool. you, so that's basically, no, I, uh, no, no, it's very cool. So <laughs> to talk about serving your, uh, your boys, let's talk about your boys. Are they entrepreneurs? Are they, uh, off on a, on a totally different, uh, journey? 
Oh, thankfully, yes. Neither <laughs> of them wanted to get into, sh- although they both worked for me at Just for Laughs. And sure. I remember telling them the story that, um, look, because you're my son, um, you are going to have to work twice as hard as anybody else because they're going to say, oh, of course they're here. It's Andy's kid. I mean, so you're going to have to go ahead and you're going to have to put in twice the hours, twice the effort to get half the praise and half the attention because they, they, everyone's looking down upon you on the way and you are the kid with the you know golden spoon in his mouth. So um, and they both did it. They both, cool. they both worked real hard there and said that was fun. It was a couple of fun summer jobs, but uh, that's not what we want to do. Mm. So both boys are, are um, entrepreneurial, but not more than just entrepreneurial. I think they're you know, passionate about what they do, and they're so different. I have a 28-year-old named Aiden who lives in Toronto. He is a coder and a technical prototyper. I got to be honest in saying that half the time when he speaks to me, what he does, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. He, he let me. He said, "Dad, you know, you used to be a writer. You're really a great writer. Can you take a look at this white paper I have to submit and, and see if there's any, you know, edits you can make in it?" And I read this and I said, "Do I understand English? What language is this? It's, it's, it's <laughs> insane but he's at such a different level uh brain wise than, than i am and uh and the people he hangs out with and the people he deals with it's a completely different level it's really machine and he speaks machine language in, in his head and uh but he's built a pretty impressive company of uh you know both in canada and the states young guys who are doing this type of uh, tech programming and uh prototyping and while i don't understand it i he's doing well and uh he's making more money than me so i'll say i'm very impressed with him so I'm, I'm really 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 happy for him my other son Hayes it's a complete different take Hayes is 25 he makes he designs and constructs high-end furniture he started doing very very high-end uh, residential stuff now he's doing a lot of commercial work for uh, you know, Starbucks Hilton Hotels uh, cool. Nando's I don't know if you heard of those restaurants he, and, and um, it's amazing when I see what he does you know with his hands but as a businessman you know he owns two apartment buildings one of them with my other son and he's invested in real estate now. Like when I was 25, I was just, you know, I was working for the newspaper. I was just happy to take home the few hundred dollars I did and go, you know, to concerts. Yeah. Who thought of owning real estate? Who, that, 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 it didn't even, it didn't, who thought of owning your own business, equity? Who was taught that those years ago? It was uh, completely foreign to me. But right now, what I find amazing is that, you know, there's this, underbelly this, uh, this 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 current of um, of entrepreneurship that runs through the youth it's, it's amazing no you know but again we laugh because in our day who, who went to private school who started their own businesses you know, the dumb kids went to private school and the people who couldn't get a job started their own businesses that's the way it worked yeah. now it's completely different so luckily both boys are entrepreneurs doing things they, they love and they want to do and they've built some pretty amazing businesses businesses both of them they're expanding and you know i'm very proud of yeah that's so that's really awesome but i want to go back to and, and my, my kids all have entrepreneurial spirits not necessarily at the level of owning business although my son is 17 he's got uh he got on vine last year do you know what vine is of course yeah so i he teach got, a class at youtube you think i don't know vine okay well <laughs> check, check him out he's called just jamie and he yeah. started a year ago he's got over he's got like 1.2 million followers now wow. around the planet and he and it's just he's making money off of this little deal 
material he's created off of this uh, this one idea. So yeah, it's it's wonderful. You're right. The 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 the, uh, the involvement of entrepreneurship as a part of our society as a way to make money is really becoming more prevalent with younger kids these days, and it's absolutely fantastic. But your oldest your oldest son, what's his name again? Sorry. Aiden. Aiden. So why didn't you take Aiden to your festival to get him to explain his job to the grandmothers that show up at your operation and uh, or your festival and you have a competition, pitch the grandmas and they give out prizes because that's part of business is understanding what it is you do so that you can then explain a property to grandmothers. Tell us about the festival, man. That's a, that's an Which incredible, one? well, the Start, international startup? startup festival. Sorry. Yeah. Well, well, yeah, I, I'm you know, I'm on the board of that, but uh, I'll tell you the great story about that. You want to talk about a great entrepreneur is Phil Tellio, who uh, is the president and he runs Startup Fest. It's his, it's his baby. Uh, I'm on the board with him. But, um, uh, you know, just as an aside, Aiden's business, uh, explain to grandmothers, I'd like to be an uncle and understand it. You know, I'd like to be a distant <laughs> cousin and understand it. Yeah, it'd be wonderful. But let, let's go back to Startup Fest. Yeah. Five years ago, it was a February. It was about, about now. It was a freezing cold day and Phil Tellio who was a friend of mine a guy I knew from around um, he called me and he said look I have an idea I want to run by you we went to a restaurant I still remember it's called Expectations we sat down freezing cold day and he told me about this event this startup festival he wanted to do with all you know focus on startup businesses and he talked about you know pitching to grandmothers and blah 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 and all this and the elevator pitching you know, whatever it was he came with this idea and I said you know what I think it's really good you know it, it's, a, it's a really bright idea uh, I think that there's legs to it I think there's uh, your, your, your timing is right and it's very cool so um, you know more power to you he goes yeah I was thinking of doing it in July I said yeah that's great that's great because that gives you about what 15 months 16 months to really put it together and um, you know, I thought he meant July of the following year <laughs> he says no, no no I want to do it this year I said Phil are you nuts are you insane you know what is it? February said March April May June like it's in, in four and a half months you're crazy you can't do that Phil you can't put together an international festival of this stature in four months you know, but but this is what happens when you are ignorant and you don't know. Mm. You say, okay, well, I can't. I don't know. I can't do it. So let me try. Anyway, um, he put this on. He, you know, it was a, it was a little rickety, but the fact was he made it and made it happen, and he made a hundred thousand dollars in profit. Nice. So, you know, which was about the same thing just for laughs made with a $40 million budget. And I said, okay, what's going on here? But, um, but uh, so I became enamored with Phil and, uh, and he asked me to be on his board. And I said, you know, anything. Cause I think that, uh, you know, the world of, of what he does and some of the people, and the people he, he gets there are massive. The woman who started one of the original partners of Indiegogo. I and, saw her. Yep. Yeah, just it's yeah. crazy the amount yeah. of people he brings to the table, yeah. and uh, but yeah, you know, I've I've done it. Uh, I've done that event, uh, different things at the event, uh, four or five times. Every time it's uh, three, four times, I should say. Every time there's something unique and different and crazy, you know, taking that risk, do the surprise element, of course, that comes into play. But uh, what it is, it's a gathering of very, very, very optimistic, upbeat, future thinking positive people, the people you want to hang out with, because they see the future with a smile on their face. They see the future with, you know, very bright, despite all the hassles, despite the fact that they know that they are, you know, encountering an uphill battle, they see it, uh, they, they only see the sunshine, they don't see the clouds. And it's wonderful to, to be in an event three days straight with people like that. 
Yeah, I, I, I say I have been, I've only been to one of them, but it was exactly that. It was very uplifting and very motivating. And uh, the other thing I loved about it is that, is that everyone was welcome. If you wanted to hang out in the space, it wasn't a, it wasn't a Davos type of uh, setup. Yeah, yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, very exactly. Cool. Well, look, uh, you've, uh, you've enjoyed a two part tenure at Just for Laughs, kind of like Mr. Jobs himself with, uh, with Apple, maybe not the same storyline associated. Uh, I don't think so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been there at the early stages and then when the organization has matured and you're the first guest that has really uh, had that opportunity at, to be at those two levels. What differs uh, between a startup and a more mature organization from your perspective? Well, I got to say, let, let's look at the jobs um, uh, comparison for a second. If and, and if I knew then what I know now, I'd say I would have perhaps done it a different way the second time around. Jobs did it from scratch with Wozniak from the beginning. They were playing SimCity. They were creating a world. They were gods. The same thing with Gilbert Rozon, who started just for you know just here and myself. You know, when we started the comedy festival, no, there was no comedy festival. It didn't mm-hmm. exist. So it wasn't as if okay, here's an iteration of what existed. No, it didn't exist. Comedy festivals did not exist. So we were playing God. Yes, let's do this. We'll do that. We'll try this. We'll try this. We'll go here. We'll hire this because you know we were just making it up. Same thing with Airborne Mobile when it went into that business there was no such thing as mobile content really we were starting it we hired the people we wanted the color scheme we wanted the logo we, we were you know, you're, you're playing god when you come back to a company that's established it's the difference between being let's say a father and a stepfather mm. in the in, in the original uh, iteration you go in and you say okay this is the way i see it you are my child i knew you you know i brought you into the world and this is the way it happens when you go to an established company it's hey who screw you who are you you're the stepfather you know, you're not my dad. You know, I've been here for 11 years. Where were you? You were yeah, running off you were off you know, with another company. You didn't, you know, so so screw you. I don't have to listen to you. So that's what I ran into. Again, not all negative, wasn't that, but that, there was that underlying feeling sure. of, okay, you know what? We were here while you were out gallivanting. So, um, you know, just quiet down, Mr. New Dad. So, um, but when you look at Jobs, when he came back, the company was in turmoil yeah. and Jobs was who Steve Jobs was. It's like, it's my way or the highway. And, uh, uh, I, I, you know, uh, no mercy, no quarter. And I think I, I, I came in and there was a lot more established you know, the structure just for laughs the second time around. And I tried to be, to fit in with it and be nice and make small changes. And again, if I had to do it all over again, A, I probably wouldn't. And B, I would go in there as a, a mean son of a bitch. But yeah. then again, it's not necessarily my character, but right. you had to be that way. You, you right. couldn't be the, the, the nice stepdad. And I think I was the nice stepdad. And uh, in the end, it was, I, it was wonderful. I mean, the five years were, were, were great years, but it was not, I can't say, I did everything I wanted to do or I accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish. Yes, but if you had to set that tone right from the beginning, you would have had that more of that opportunity is what you're saying. Perhaps not. Perhaps they would have rebelled. Yeah, that's maybe. Yeah. So it's, but again, Steve Jobs is Steve Jobs. A little bit of a different comparison. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, this is my show, uh, Andy, and I get to make the comparisons, okay? 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Let's go on to the Quebec startup scene. Now, um, when you were at the Startup Canada Awards, you spoke fondly of Beyond the Racks co-founder, Jonas Stern. I had a great conversation with him in our f- first season of the Startup uh, uh, Canada podcast. And, uh, you know, he's one cool mother of a guy. And you're one cool mother of a guy, too. And that kind of tells me that the startup community in Montreal is pretty freaking cool is it is it is it as tight-knit as it seems to be i think so and that's the thing that i love about uh startups is that well i'll give you my Jonas uh, stern story after because i know Jonas for years uh you know from the fido days uh, i mean for, no it wasn't fido that's a that's a, a different guy he was with um my virtual model and uh uh may have been a fido actually but uh, i know Jonas, if even before that when yona was uh he used to have uh, when he was in mcgill a comedy business uh miller and stern uh, ian miller and Jonas stern that uh, they had a, a comedy duo that's how far back i know this guy but the, the thing about the startup business in general i'll get to yona in particular in, in startup business people all know you're doing the impossible they all know that what they're doing is probably not going to work out so you root for the guy because you can't not root for your the other guy because by not rooting for him you're really not rooting for yourself and by and knowing that and knowing that you know uh, a lot of these businesses are not going to exist the people are still great so why kill the people when you can say hey you know if it doesn't work out Maybe you, I can work with you, or maybe you, you know, I, you can work with me, uh, depending on whose business does what, or if they both suck, you know, we can go work for somebody else together, or we'll, we can come up with an idea together. So really, it has that positive nature of, you know, um, what can we do for the betterment of all? Because if all work out, it's better for, and it's not communism or socialism, far from it, but it's a collaborative capitalism, capitalism we'll call it, collaborative capitalism, he says without tripping over his words. Um, so that, that's the spirit of it. And I think it's great because really I come from a world. I remember Garner Bornstein, my partner at Airborne taught me this because I came from showbiz when we started at Airborne and in showbiz it was kill the other guy, kill, kill. You could, you know, it's, it's a tug of war. It was a zero sum game. You know, if you, if the other guy suffered, then you win, you know, mm. you, you, their, their hardship was your win and vice versa. And it was different when we did Airborne because it was like working with people. I didn't really understand that. I was just so cutthroat and, you know, kill the other guy. And Garner said, no, 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 that's not the way it works in this business. So, that was not necessarily you know, it was startup. It was tech, and it was many moons ago. Now I think people have learned that lesson even more, and are carrying it through. So that's the positive element, and that's why I think that this community is a true community. Now the Yona story is, you know, um, when I went to him for play the future, I went to a few people, and um, you know, we, I went to Yona and I said, look, here's the story. We're starting this thing. What I need is access to your data, and I need prizes, and blah blah blah, and I need this, and I need that, and um, you know, and there's really at this stage of the game, not a lot in return because it's we're really getting this off the ground. And Yona just said, you know, and, I, and a lot of other people who I knew as well as him, I won't mention names, uh, although I should. Carl Dexter. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, but a lot of people I knew equally as well and who I'd done mega favors for. I went to them and they said, I don't know. And it's a little bit of a hassle. And, uh, you know, we're kind, kind of busy, you know, and yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, when, when you needed help and you needed a favor, man, I was there. But anyway, that's life. But Yoda just said, uh, whatever you need, I will give you. Whatever mm. it takes, 
it's it's yours because you know what i remember when i was in the situation i had to go begging people for product and you know say we're doing this this you know site where people are going to come and shop we're giving them discounts we'll get rid of the stuff that you may want to get rid of and we but we also want some of your high-end stuff because it's great to sell the high-end stuff blah 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 he said a lot of people kicked me out but some people said you know i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and these are the people who helped build my business and i will not forget that so i'm going to you know uh cliche cliche if, if you want pay it forward but that's what he did he said whatever you need so that's why i, I have a lot of respect for yona because I, again he's a friend he's a guy i know for a long time but i can tell you the story about other friends and people i know for a long time who were far from uh, as generous or graceful yeah well he's uh, what i got in that very short time i was talking to him was this really a sense of being very very genuine and uh geez he, he said, next time you're in town come on we'll go watch a hockey game together all that stuff and it's and it's and it wasn't grandstanding it was just a, i just want to hang out and, and uh, be with people like you and and other people like startup canada they're in startup canada yeah real genuine guy i appreciate that story and just so our, our audience knows when uh, when you talk about uh uh, airborne you're talking about that media space uh, startup that you started that you started with the uh, called airborne Garner, technology yeah. uh, technology ventures and uh, sold for quite a bit of cash and uh, so if the audience wants to find out more about it it's airborne technology ventures uh, or that, airborne mobile or airborne entertainment we had a number of names as we moved through the spectrum cool so I have one more question and then last words go to you Andy but my question is, is that it's all about entrepreneurship in, in general and we talked about what's going on with your kids and and uh, the community in, um, in Quebec and so on but let's talk about the future of entrepreneurship in Montreal in Quebec in Canada what what do you see for uh, for where we're going? And you know, ten years is is you, you could see it, but it's not going to happen. Let's just face it. Give me the next two years that you see happening with the future of entrepreneurship. Oh, I can tell you the next ten. I can tell okay. you the next two or the next five. This is. Though I, I hate to, because I, you know, I'm in a business called Play the Future, but this is the future. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why. The big companies, as much research, uh, dollars they can put into research that they do, fine. But a lot of companies, are they have stock you know prices to deal with and investors to deal with and quarterly results to deal with. So sometimes they have to cut and they'll cut R&D. What, not, it doesn't always happen. But the, the point of the matter is a big company is still a big company. Startups, entrepreneurs are the ones who are going to come up with the ideas that everyone's going to think is nuts. It'll never work. It can't happen. And they will find a way to do it so inexpensively and cheaply. Then they'll have to take it to a new level and they'll need you know cash and money. But maybe sometimes they won't. Sometimes the, the idea itself is strong and good enough uh, at, at the outset. The end result is that this is the future. The future comes from the two guys in their basement, the two kids who are sitting in their room at night, uh, the kid doing vines, the kid doing, um, uh, you know, learning different things. I'm just trying to, you know, to see in my mind's eye where, where this goes. But, you know, to the future goes the young, you know, gutsy I don't know that I'm doing this wrong. Like the Phil Tellios, you know, what do you mean it, it can't be done in, in five months? Well, who, mm. who said that? Where's mm. the rules? Mm. So, you know, to the rule breakers, to the ones who are just going to take the shot, these are the ones who are going to drive the, drive the future. So I think that, um, you know, th they will turn into big businesses and by nature, big businesses have different beasts, you know, to, to deal with and to tame. But uh, as long as that proce process continues, um, the small, 
all will be planted, will grow into large trees, and then they'll be supplanted by other small people with, uh, who grow into large trees. So I, I think the future is very, very bright. And uh, people always say, oh, the capital will dry up, and this will dry up, and that will dry up. No, it won't. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If capital dries up, they'll find another way to do it because that's what entrepreneurs do. They find a way. They find so, a way. I'm just thrilled about the, you know, the the potential of the future, and the, the, I wish, you know, I wish I had this type of this type of, you know, to talk about Oculus Rift. I wish I could go ahead and put on these glasses, and I can look, you know, you can look back and say, oh, here's a picture of so and so when she was only so and so. But I wish I had the, the the vision where I can put on these glasses and say, oh, this is a picture of so and so what she is going to be as, oh man, I wish I had that. But when I look at even in my class, I sit and I, I, I scan 50 kids you know, every twice a week. And I say, man, I wonder where some of these kids are going. I wonder five years from now where they're going to be the same way. My professors had some real genius kids in their class and they looked at them and go figure that these kids are going to be kids that change the world. You're, you're sitting there and teaching them, you know, classes like marketing and society, the old one with the textbook. <laughs> so <laughs> love it. Brilliant. And, uh, on, on that note, I'm actually not going to give you the last word because I think that's a brilliant last word. And uh, I, But I, I have been asked by one of my producers to ask you this question. And I'm sure you've been asked at least a billion, if not more times. But for our audience, entertain us by telling us the best joke you have ever heard. Oh, God. <laughs> the best joke I've ever heard. You know, I can't remember a joke for the life of me. Let me just think the best joke I've ever heard now, man. I like the God one you just told. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah but that's, that's, that's just a quote. Yeah. The best joke I ever heard. Um, Oh God. Uh, hold on. I have to think about Doesn't this. Have to be the best. Okay. I'm not going to put that much pressure on you, but a really okay, good the, one. Oh man. Gotcha. No, I'm I'm so sorry because you know, it, it, it doesn't even work for me that way yeah. because it's not about the, the setup and punchline. It's punch not a surprise, line. right? The, yeah, the why this, you know, why did this do that because of that? Okay. No, the best <laughs> jokes I ever heard were contextual and they, 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 they were in the form of, uh, you know, of people saying really bright things, yeah. uh, you know, in, in a continuum, you know, whether it's political or social. Like, okay, I'll give it one. And, I, I, and, okay. and I'm trying to, trying to remember that I, I can see the comedian in my mind's eye, but I can't really remember remember his name at this stage of the game but he talked about uh and it'll come to me um oh it was an attorney greg uh it'll come to me uh not greg geraldo the late greg Geraldo was not him it was a, another one but anyway he talked about um water and the scarcity of water in africa and how an african you know comes here to to uh you know north america and, and goes to the bellagio hotel and sees like this huge fountain and goes like to a toilet bowl and sees you know the, the, a toilet bowl with fresh water and he says hold on one, one, one second you 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 poop in it you, uh, and then you're, you're you're spraying it up and calling it with lights like the the unfathomable image of what we're doing with water here versus what they have to deal with now again this guy did it in a way that was yeah. so genius and brilliant right. but that to me is what, what what humor what the best joke is all about it's a humor that really makes you think and says oh man i never saw it that way so it's uh, i appreciate that insight and i'll share with you mine that uh, on that basis because there was an, it was an australian guy and he talked about how how we as a society think that by going through security and putting all these gels into a plastic bag that the bomb makers 
if they could just figure out how to get it into a plastic bag, they don't have to worry because the plastic bag is bombproof. It'll just explode in this plastic bag. And again, he just went on about how stupid that whole concept was. If it fits in here, it's not a bomb because the bombs are bigger than this. And so, uh, yeah, that whole contextual uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. But, that, but that's, you know, I'm, this is not one of those, uh, you know, how do the chicken, why do the chicken cross the road uh, <laughs> shows? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you've been really awesome, Andy, and I uh, I can't thank you enough for being on our show today. Uh, it's uh, You're doing great stuff. Keep doing it, and uh, keep uh, sharing your magic with us the way that you are, and uh, your boys are are, uh, are lucky boys to have a dad like you. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about Play the Future. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, uh, well, it wasn't on the script, but let's do it. We got time. Just, yeah. just, just, just give me a little just, plug. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Just, yeah, it's a predictive gaming app. Talk about the future. That's what Play the Future is all about. It, it it makes brands into games. You've heard of fantasy sports? Yes. This is fantasy life where you make predictions on what happens in the day-to-day business context, um, uh, life context. It's fantasy life. But the best way to do the best thing I could say is just download it. Playthefuture.com. It's on, uh, that's the website. It's on the Apple, uh, you know, app store. It's in the Apple eyes. Let's try that again. It's in the Apple app store and it's on Google play and it's re- and it's free and it's a blast. There's no hidden costs. There's no you know bullshit. It's just all a lot of fun. That's so awesome. And thank you for bringing that up. I, uh, I know that we <laughs> talked about it in the intro and there's nothing wrong if, with the little, uh, little self promotion on the show for sure. It's uh, it's great to talk to you, my friend and uh, keep doing what you do. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like the popular online training events, startup chats, and startup school. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash events for more details. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. And also, I'm pleased to introduce my newest business venture, Coaching by Rockstars, that's www.coachingbyrockstars.com, where I am building an amazing team of business coaches to help entrepreneurs around the planet. If you've got an interest in that, come and check us out. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. So what was the pain point that you were trying to deal with when you started business? We looked into a lot of local retail stores. They had X number of staff, but only you know such a small number of customers in the store that they were paying all these salaries and wages. And I don't think you know they, they had enough customers to really support that. Mm. And realized you know that there was so many customers right outside their very front door. But 
very few of them were inside the store. So how could they work on getting more of these customers in from the street? Yeah. And how could we you know, help these businesses in a passive and anonymous way? It's an interesting point you talk about with regards to the staff. Uh, I run some restaurants and, uh, you know, that when I walk into the restaurant and there's nobody there and there's three staff there, it just freaking drives me nuts. Um, and you're trying to estimate these patterns. So so what we do actually is we place a um, what's called a fitness beacon inside the store. One place in the store, we're able to record and kind of visualize how many people are within the store and outside the store. And the store manager or owner operator can log in at any point and they can see a real-time dashboard or real-time view. And, you know, really this data can be crucial, especially to businesses that are currently basing everything strictly off of transaction logs. It really helps give them a bird's eye view about how they can be doing better. 